you are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 FM. And today I have a really special guest. It's a germ and he does political cartoons and a whole lot more. Good day, Jeremy. How are you doing? Hey, Rob, my friend. How are you? Cannot complain. Cannot complain. Been a while since we chatted. Uh, it has been a while. I think we chatted uh, around about the Christmas period, and I was trying to get away from everything. I went up the coast. Oh, wow. Lovely, lovely. Did you get away from it all there, I'm sure. Well, you know what's funny is, no, I didn't. You think <laughs> you're going to go away from it all and you, when you go to Neisner and the whole of Gauteng is there. <laughs> exactly. It is a problem. Absolutely, it is a problem. You kind of wonder where all the people in Neisner go. Do they go out to Joburg for, for a holiday to get away from it all? <laughs> They they go into one of the heads and they hide there for a month. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you can see, this is going to be a great humorous uh, discussion that we have here. But Jeremy, tell us a bit more about uh, satire and what the world of satire is all about. Yeah, it's tricky because the last few years have, have been very hard um, being a satirist because everything has been so stupidly crazy that – to try and top that has been close to impossible because generally speaking, you, you take reality and you make it absurd. That's what makes humor, um, is, is the absurd nature of things. And when you, when you take something to its, um, Pythonesque extreme, then we laugh. The problem is the last few years have been absurd. They have reached Pythonesque extremities. So to try and top that is, you know, very very difficult basically what you do is if joe biden says something you literally just copy and paste it there's no need to try and make it more absurd because it is already absurd <laughs> so 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 satire is essentially you know just taking reality and i suppose trying to um uh, make it palatable because sometimes reality can be very harsh um and and a, a coping mechanism is laughter and once you can laugh at something or you can smile or you are able to reflect on something, I think then you have um, a very powerful tool for for getting through the day and, you know, and, and, and seeing the next day. Mm, I totally agree with you. And that it, I see a lot of um, stand-up comedians and, and other forms of, of comedy um, do get, get lambasted quite a bit from, from the public where they don't see it as – as humorous, or uh, they, they see it as, as offensive. Do you get a? Do you get attacked a bit by the public? Yeah, I mean, I've been fired from just about every publication that I've ever <laughs> drawn for. Um, That's a good sign, isn't it? Um, it is because it's 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 allowed me to get to where I am now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, when one door closes, another opens. But the most amazing thing. Um, the last few years have have really shown me that you can create friends where you didn't think there might have been friends. Uh, obviously, it's been a strange time, and um, people have opened their eyes to things that they probably were close-minded to, or you know, were asleep um, oh. with regards to. And it can be a whole bunch of things. I never thought the day would come where the president would ban the sale of cooked chicken and and you know um, flip-flops but it did and you're angry at the time because it's so stupid 
in hindsight, you can laugh and you have to laugh because otherwise, you know, you're going to get an ulcer. <laughs> and, um, and like me, the problem with a lot of the pushback is that people are actually just simply projecting their own emotions or their own insecurities. That's why they decide to take offense. Remember, I can't give offense. I can't make you offended. You have to listen to something that I'm saying or, or see a cartoon that I've drawn and then choose your reaction. Um, and if you choose to be upset by it, then that is your choice. And then what happens next, of course, is, is a different conversation. But what I have also found is that uh, the, there has been a shift. Uh, people have become a lot more serious, but there's also been an awakening which has allowed a new type of humor um, and a new type of ridicule and a new type of way to deal with these things. So I think uh, the the hatred and the, the, the negative feedback will always be there, but I think it shifts. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And it seems to shift with, with the tide and whatever the latest and greatest mm. big, big thing is. I mean, I miss, Rob, I miss the days of being called a racist. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not called a racist or a sexist anymore. I'm, you know, uh, there's this new terminology now. This what, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of something. Conspiracy theorist. That's the big one. Here we go. Uh, that's supposed to be a, a, a really, really bad thing. So that's what I'm called all the time now. Um, and I mean, I, I wish we could just go back to the, the good old vintage days of, you know, 10 years ago where I was homophobic, you know, or I hated women. Yeah, when there was only one one big thing. Now there's just too many thrown at us every every single day. It's almost seems like it's impossible to actually breathe or even talk. And it, it, to me, it seems pretty deliberate in an effort. Yes, otherwise you die suddenly. Out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, not the breathing, but but the the talking bit, uh, in an effort to to curb free speech or or mm. or control what or any other alternative uh, thoughts. Interesting you should mention conspiracy theorist. Uh, what, what in your opinion is a conspiracy theorist? It's somebody who thinks critically. I mean, it's as simple as that. Uh, uh, the term is, has been weaponized and I won't get into the, to the history, but, uh, the first, um, known usage of it, I think was in the 1800s and it was something to do with the American Civil War. I can't quite remember the exact historicity of the phrase, but it became particularly weaponized in the 1960s by the CIA. Um, and this is now public knowledge. So it's not, I'm not, I'm not actually telling you a conspiracy theory. I'm actually telling you history. <laughs> and, um, the term itself was weaponized by the CIA when basically the media and people started questioning the assassination, the assassination of JFK. They didn't believe the official story. And so there was an internal memo that was sent around by the CIA, which was eventually, um, traced by the New York Times when they still believed in good journalism. Um, and it was, you know, it was released, it was disclosed, and it showed that the CIA wanted to use a phrase to try and discredit those who are questioning the official narrative. And they didn't want people to question what had actually happened. We know now that the CIA was actually involved in, in JFK's assassination. Tucker Carlson did a big segment on that, um, I think, in December um, or in January. I can't remember now. But the point is that a conspiracy theorist is just a phrase to shut down critical thinking. When somebody doesn't like your question or your line of thinking, they'll label you something. It's the same as labeling you a racist or a sexist. It doesn't add anything. It's just a way to, to, to keep you quiet. That's all it is. And that's the big problem in society today. We need a proper discussions about, about uh, controversial or sensitive topics. They should never be shutting down uh, alternative views or, or questions. Uh, I think that's what's happened 
over the past uh, two and a half years is any alternative view has has been shut down, which is uh, not really conducive to to finding or solving uh, problems or finding solutions at all. And as I think a lot of people were labeled as conspiracy theorists right at the beginning of this and probably before, and most of those uh, conspiracy theories have been uh, proven to be true conspiracy fact. But, you know, so I think it goes a bit further, though. If you look at mo- most of the news that does come out today, there's always an underlying tone in, in that news. If you take uh, even the story about ESCOM, there's a whole lot of theories flying around uh, about ESCOM and why it, it's it's going going down and why load shedding is happening. Uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I, I, I think we all want to try and fit those puzzle pieces together and we're all trying to figure out what's going on. My my very limited understanding right off the bat is that this is not a domestic issue. Um, it's partly domestic. And what I find is quite helpful um, is to obviously view the official stories with a great deal of, of skepticism, right? I think that's a good place to start. Uh, whenever ESCOM or the, or, the, or the government says what the problem is, um, I think we generally need to um, reject that, at least to some degree. Um, the second thing is that you need to kind of zoom out a bit. You need to go up into the sky, 30, 40, 50,000 feet, and then look down. Um, if you are stuck right down in a suburb level, all, you, all you're going to see around you is your neighbors, and you're not really going to see the bigger picture. You're not going your, – your view, your outlook is going to be too myopic. So you kind of have to – get up above all of it and then look at how it's connected. So, for example, both the ANC and the DA have bought into sustainable development, which is a United Nations um, doc, well-documented goal. It's probably the largest agenda of the UN and pretty much every global think tank. Sustainable agenda is essentially carbon net zero. It's the, it's the absolute reduction of everything that, that – came out of the Industrial Revolution. It is the removal of um, internal combustion. It's the removal of anything that, that works with oil and a flame. Everything must be done via batteries, and uh, we must reduce CO2 levels. That's it, right? That is the ultimate goal, and, and this is constantly stated in every media outlet and every major organization. Now, on, when you realize that and you know that the ANC and the DA, for example, both have committed to, the, to that agenda – Right, you know that there isn't much incentive for more coal power stations in South Africa to be either built or fixed. You also know that there isn't an incentive for the government to make it work. To make it work, having load shedding feeds perfectly into reducing our carbon footprint. It it and and by the way, it, this is not domestic. This is happening all over the world now. We're seeing an energy crisis emerging everywhere, and it's and it's deliberate. California is already entering rolling blackouts, so is the UK, so are parts of, of Europe. Um, and I understand that it's coming to Australia. If that is the case, are you suggesting to me, Rob, that in all those cases, they're all having <laughs> problems with their power stations, maintenance issues, <laughs> and it's all no. just starting to happen together? No, of course not. And no. explain to me how is it possible that you can also have scheduled 
rolling blackouts, if you're having, <laughs> if you're having in issues like this, and by the way, 15 years, and in the last two years, our uh, rolling blackouts, and they're rolling blackouts, it's not load shedding, load shedding just makes it sound nicer. There are rolling blackouts, and it's, mm. and it, it is very, very, very harmful to individuals and the economy. Um, explain to me how is it that you can schedule it all the time and know exactly when you're going to have all these maintenance issues. Mm. You know, there, it, it's, it's so obvious to me that there is a combination going on here of no incentive to make things work properly and to continue the carbon net zero agenda, which is an international um, goal. Mm, that is, and I think the problem with South Africa is that we rely so heavily on these diesel diesel generators or diesel power generators. So it kind of throws a bit of a spanner in the works there. I think that the last figures I read was Eskom was using up to about a million liters a day. Sure. That certainly doesn't help with the with the uh, carbon or net zero uh, agenda there at all. So no. South Africa, South Africa might be. Uh, playing to the playbook, but we certainly don't have the resources to to actually get to net zero. If anything, we're making making it worse. So yeah, but, there has but, to be some questions there. Yeah, but the other thing also, Rob, and 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 this is this is fascinating to me, is arguing over who the CEO is. It's kind of like just moving around deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, I don't think any CEO is going to save ESCOM at this stage. I don't think the DA or the ANC or any any political party is going to save ESCOM. Now, without sounding too um, jaded, obviously there are solutions and I, I really will just quickly want to throw in some of my ideas from what I've, I've learned over the last few years with all my interviews that I do on my podcast. And there are solutions. You can either sit back and you can moan or you can try and do something about it. Try and fix your immediate environment. And if Millions of people start trying to fix their immediate environment. I, I, I think there'll be some seriously big and positive changes. Something as simple as trying to use more gas. Now, already we know that there are, <laughs> there are some, some global attempts now to remove gas. The US, think, yeah, the US is thinking of banning yeah. gas and, and, and no doubt the rest of the world will follow. So the idea is to use gas where, where you can. Um, and try and use, if you can, solar. And this is all based on what your budget is. But the point is, do something. If you just sit back and moan, you're going to sit in the dark. And our, op- our options are very limited. Yeah, absolutely agree. I've been saying that for ages on 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 this show and every everywhere else is that we need to become more more self reliant. Stop mm. sitting, stop moaning. Uh, moaning's getting us nowhere. Stop highlighting the problems. We all know they exist. Stand up and do something, no matter how yes. small it is. At least you're doing something. Kind of like the butterfly effect, isn't it? You yes. do something and it carries on throughout and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And soon enough, change does does happen, and favorable change as well. But it, the same applies opposite. If we don't do anything, then it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And moaning about it certainly does not help at at, at all. We'll take a quick break. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back. And Jeremy, we were talking about solutions and I think mm. you, had a, you had a brilliant one there. I'd actually like to put that out to, to our listeners. And if 
if listeners have a a solution, if they've done anything, no matter how small, let us know. Let us know. Send a SMS to three four five one nine or email us on on air at chaifn.com. Let us know what you have done to better the situation in South Africa. No matter how small it is, we'd love to hear from you. Jeremy, any other mm. solutions that you have? <laughs> I think I think I think we, we have to always <laughs> Yeah, we always have to try and um be positive. I think okay, so I often talk about the pull metaphor that's used in the matrix, maybe the red and the red and blue pull. Um for those who, who don't know the blue pull is um in the movie you just you wake up and you see the world and you think it is the way you think it is. Um, the red pole is when you pull back the curtain and you see what's what's actually going on. So you realize that there are agendas and you realize that there are people uh, conspiring or doing nefarious things or, you know, being greedy or whatever it might be. It's basically um, it's the it's reality. That's the red pole. And then, of course, you have um, the black pole, which is essentially just when you understand that reality is harsh but you become nihilistic and jaded about it and you just wake up and you're on antidepressants. And there is, is no real point because, hey, everything is going into the toilet and what's the point? That, I think, is a bad place to be. Um, and if you do pass through that that um, that area in your life, try and make that space as small and as rapid as possible. It's not it's not healthy. Um, I was there. I was, an, I was on antidepressants. Um, I went off antidepressants uh, in 2020, and uh, I sort of it was difficult. Make no mistake, that stuff is addictive and it is not healthy in the long run. And how I went off, and here's a solution: I replaced pharmaceutical pills with better diet, getting back into the gym, going outside, spending time in the sunshine, enjoying family and friends, laughing again, finding humor. Finding a purpose when I wake up in the morning, you know, wake up with a smile. Um, these are solutions. These are flat bang, immediate solutions that anybody can can do right now. You do it. It's it, this is a personal thing, and once you're able to to get to a place where you are taking back sort of control of you as a person, then you can start having control over your immediate environment and you go, okay, well, I'm going to make coffee. Okay, the power, the, my power was out for four hours earlier. Oh, I can't make coffee. Well, guess what? I can. I can use gas. Mm. You know, um, there's a solution. So I can still have coffee. Um, and so, but, 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 but you gradually find ways to, to solve problems. That's what the white pill is. And that's how you get out of the black pill mindset is when you <laughs> metaphorically swallow the white pill because the white pill is about solving problems. You have the information. What are you doing about it? And so whatever it is, if it's tiny, if, it, if it's an atomic habit, like James Clear wrote about in his book, if it's tiny, it doesn't matter. If it's one better thing than yesterday, it's still one better thing than yesterday. Add that up over six months and you've done a pile of great things over six months, you know? Oh, such wise words, Jeremy, and uh, to be quite honest, words that I desperately needed to hear right now. I've been through a hell of a lot in the past uh, year, which has kind of made me step away from life a, a little bit mm. and, and reassess everything. Well, you're not going to get into those details, but 
Yeah, no, that's wise words, and I encourage anybody who's who is listening here, or everyone who is listening here, to to take listen, listen to those mm. words. By the really way, th- those are not my words. I just want to point out those are not my words. I would love to claim <laughs> <laughs> to claim that I came oh, up with that, but but I didn't. Um, that 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 has come via conversations and books. You know, people like Tim Noakes, um, who have made a massive impact on my life simply by me changing my diet. I feel so much better, Rob. I sleep better. I wake up feeling happier just because I, I remove sugar as much as possible. Something as stupidly small as that, but it makes a big difference because then think about this. It's so obvious. If you are just eating badly every single day, if you're just eating junk food, your outlook on life gets affected because it affects your the wiring of your brain. Mm. People... There is a strong correlation between healthy people and success. Yes, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. To to the point where mm. um, I've actually taken up cooking. Uh, yes. I used to tinker around a bit, but now I'm really getting into actual cooking, finding recipes, making up my own stuff, being a bit creative in, in it, and I'm mm. loving it. It's and such a stress reliever. It just really it's. I could do it all day. Uh, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. And I have found that the best, listen to this. Now, these are my words. I made this up. So I just want to make sure that I sound smart now when I say it <laughs> <laughs> for the, for the sound bite. But I think the most effective way to defeat the global war is to win local battles. Mm. I think that's great. That makes a lot of sense, Jeremy. It really does. And that's exactly what we were talking about earlier on. Start with the small things. See what you can fix around you, how you can help, how you yes. can add a bit. It's exactly the same thing. Um, I re- yeah, sorry for interrupting. I remember a number of years ago, um, I, I was going through a, a very strange phase where I thought I'd study a bit of mathematics. Um, yes, you can judge me. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to learn calculus and all this sort of stuff because I, I, you know, it's just, it, there was just something that that kind of drew me in, and w- although I didn't succeed in in understanding what it is that I was trying to learn, what I did realize is that mathematics is about breaking things down into the smallest elements. And if you are able to do that in your daily life, you can reduce anxiety. I suffer from a lot of anxiety, but the reason why I suffer from a lot of anxiety is because I'm always looking at the big thing. You know, oh, you walk into the kitchen and there's this pile of dishes and you think, oh, no, I can't do this. It's just too much. That's that's anxiety right there. But if you break it apart, you you immediately, immediately lose that anxiety. You go, okay, well, let me just do this little section now. And then you focus on that little section. And you do – and you, basically it's atomic. It's you, you, you break things down into the elements and everything then becomes achievable. The, when people get so upset, this is the nihilistic approach – to life, you go. Ah, oh, it's too big. The globalists. It's just the UN. Uh, Klaus Schwab. It's all too much. It's too big. Fine. You're right. It is too big, and there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do can stop Bill Gates from doing what he wants to do. But what you can do, and I have discovered, Rob, is changing my the way I do things and my immediate environment, and then hoping to create a little uh, bubble, the bubble, a domino effect on those around me. And imagine if you've got a thousand people doing exactly that. You know, you, you, you're ending up with a fairly powerful network. Absolutely. Uh, but it has Absolutely. to start. It has to start at home. Yeah, it does. It does. I think it was uh, Jordan Peterson that actually said what was one of his first rules 
uh, clean up your room. I think that yes. was one of them. The same, mm. same philosophy. It's very, mm. very, very mm. good. Yeah, that's, that is some, some wise words there that, that we all need to actually take note of. And like I was saying at the beginning of the show, that we live this fast paced life and we tend to forget about the little things and do focus on the big things. And it's all this information that comes flying at us all the time through social media, which is, to me, it's far too much information for, for people to comprehend. And therefore your brain just shuts down or goes into panic mode. We're constantly in that fight or flight response mode the whole time. And we don't actually sit down and relax. And uh, I don't know. What do you think where the future of, of mankind? Where do you think social media sits within within that space? Um, I don't question. know. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a difficult one. I, I've got very mixed views in this. I think that technology is great. I love technology. I really do enjoy how, for example, right now you and I can chat. And I think there are pros and cons. I think Catherine Austin Fitz um, makes a great comment saying that enjoy technology, use it to its maximum, but also learn to discern. So, for example, I don't think TikTok is a particularly good app for a teenager or anybody to have on their phone. I think it's just a time waster. I don't think it adds any value. Does it add any value to your life? Are you building on yourself or those around you by being on TikTok? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think it adds much value. Twitter perhaps adds more value because it gives you a, a bit of a, a keyhole into what's going on. But it's, this is now that it's a double-edged sword because you can get caught up in it. And we end up in this popcorn culture where we just read headlines and we no longer sit back and read a book. Uh, we don't, uh, it, it's weird. Everything is going faster and faster and faster. And becoming more more bite sized and more bite sized and more bite sized that we 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 are not slowing down and technology I think has this way of doing that, you know I I I have a Kindle but I've I've packed it away, I've decided no, I'm gonna I'm buying books again deliberately mm-hmm. uh, because I want to hold the paper and I want to slow down with the book I don't want to have a thousand books to choose from because I'm you know like a, a, a uh, like a little squirrel with ADHD. <laughs> let me just let me just focus on this book in front of me and to try and be present and in the moment. And it's a very difficult thing when there's so much information coming at you. You were talking about information and how you disseminate and, and filter it. Yeah. And I don't know the answer to that. I'm trying to figure that out. But what I what I am finding for me personally, and this helps by the way with humor, quite a lot. If you can slow down, then you can also laugh again you can see things and you can see the funny side of things exactly otherwise it gets blurred in 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 all the 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 fast pacedness of everything fast pacedness that isn't a word that isn't fast pacedness (laughs) i just made up a word pacedness oh good one write it down put it in a cartoon (laughs) you're great to explain it we're going to take a quick quick break and then we'll chat to jeremy more about his fast pacedness cartoons You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. Yeah, democracy, it doesn't just happen. It requires a bit of work and just much, just like everything else in life, it all requires a bit of effort. Jeremy, tell mm. us a bit more about your cartoons and how people can get hold of you 
and follow you in and the work that you do? Well, I, as I said earlier, am fired from just about every major publication in the country. So I no longer work in the mainstream. I've run out of options. Um, so <laughs> I have very, uh, I've been very blessed, uh, to, to get myself into the alternative and independent space. I am loving it there. So you won't find my work, um, easily. Although, no, I guess I'm wrong in saying it. I think these days with the internet, everything is much easier, but you won't open a newspaper and find my work there. What you will, however, do is, is find my work online and and probably in the form of um, my website via my website or via Telegram or WhatsApp or um, social media. That's where I distribute. I also distribute in my newsletter, um, and and of course, uh, I do work for a few clients, but the clients are also in the independent alternative space. So you would need to know who those clients are. The easiest, the easiest is just simply to go to my website, which is germwarfare.com, J-E-R, germ uh, with a J, germwarfare.com, and everything is there, the links and the clients and the cartoons and the podcasts that I do and all all that sort of stuff. Everything that's related to me you'll find on my website, newsletter, everything. And so I think that's the easiest. There's no there's no reason to find my work now in, <laughs> in a newspaper. But funny enough, though, Rob, <laughs> the Internet has also opened up opportunities like this it's allowed technology has allowed for people like me to become my own publisher and i don't have to rely i don't have to rely on a newspaper anymore or a magazine brilliant it's i think that's the greatest gift that we that we've seen with with social media and alternative Mm. forms of media is is exactly that the voice to the previously uh dispossessed is that the right word to use there but definitely a, a voice to those who were, who were, who were edited out or silenced mm. by editors. I think it's a great thing. Jeremy, it's been wonderful, wonderful chatting to you. And I'm sure the listeners Thanks, enjoyed Rob. it as well. It really has been, has been great. Um, the listeners, if you did miss the show, don't worry. It is or will be available on uh, Spotify or on uh, www.highfm.com shortly. Feel free to go there, have a listen to it, send us a few comments, and listen to other shows if you want. Uh, Jeremy, great chatting to you, as I said. Um, we'll definitely catch up soon. And Thanks, Rob. Brings us to the end of this show for, for today. And thank you for tuning in. And remember to stay democratically engaged, active, and responsible. Ciao for now.